you're considering doing something, even if it's not a long distance hike, you know, whatever your through hike may be, your number one dream in life, I think it's uh, important to at least give it a shot and you won't regret taking that first step, but the first step is the hardest, so. Hey guys, welcome back to the Christian Ultra Podcast. It's been quite a while since I did a recording. I think my last podcast was with Carla Molinaro. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been a while. I've been out in America on the Appalachian Trail. And while I was out there, I decided to um, uh, do a series of podcasts with all the hikers that I met um, whilst in America um, and also uh, reach out to people who I hadn't met. So I'm going to do a series of podcasts on through hiking the Appalachian Trail with actual through hikers who have finished this year. And my first guest is um, Road Soda. You heard his voice in the um, intro there. Um, We actually met on trail and he comes on the show to tell his story. Uh, Road Soda and I got along really well. I really liked him um, and it's hard not to like Road Soda because he's a a pretty great guy and uh, a lot of people um, have good things to say about him. So... um, have a listen. Uh, but before we get into the show, I just want to speak a little bit about my run coaching. I offer online run coaching to anyone who's interested in entering the world of ultra marathons. I myself have experience completing over 135 marathons and ultras, um, a whole bunch of uh, 100 milers, and I hold the record for Britain's longest national trail, beating Damien Hall's. Um, record to set a new one just last year which still stands today so um, i've got 20 years um, running experience and 10 years uh, experience coaching so please go and visit my website it's www.christianultra that's k-r-i-s-t-i-a-n ultra u-l-t-r-a dot com and uh, go and have a look at uh, what's on offer there okay on to the show Hey, Road Soda, how's it going, man? <laughs> Down over. So good to see you and hear your voice again, man. It's it's going well. How you been? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been good. Actually, for me, I won't go into it, but it's been a bit of a journey just getting back used to the UK and not being out on the Appalachian Trail. But um, yeah, and how about you? Uh, how are you integrating back into life after the Appalachian Trail? Uh, it's been it's been tough Uh, i know a lot of hikers are going through the same thing you know trying to get acclimated back into society uh for me things like taking a shower and having to change my outfit seem to be some of the harder adjustments but i'm staying moving you know doing a lot of fly fishing still out on the appalachian trail doing section hikes and day hikes and having as much fun as i can so it's been nice not to have to go back to you know a desk job right away um But it is still an adjustment for sure. And like I said, I'm just trying to stay moving, keep water flowing over the gills and make sure I'm getting outside having fun. All right. Um, well, for everybody, everyone listening out there, why don't you give a description? What is your version of the app? What is the Appalachian Trail? The Appalachian Trail is a footpath that runs from Springer Mountain in Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine currently spanning over 2,193.1 miles of the Appalachian Mountains on the east coast of the United States of America. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and you hiked the whole thing. 
every inch this year 2021 yeah at class of 2021 and your trail name is that is uh road soda they call me road soda they do <laughs> yeah that is uh everyone you know most 99 percent of the people out there that are doing a long distance hike will take on a trail name um you know kind of an alter ego something that you did or happened to you out there and rather than going by what we call your government name or your flatland name uh, you pick up a trail name and it's kind of a fun way to just express yourself and have a story about who you are on the trail do you have a could you go into how you got the name road soda and uh explain that yeah so i actually got it uh before my through hike doing some long section hikes i would always carry sodas um usually it was whiskey you know sometimes beer but i always had something on me to to give out to through hikers when i met them um because again i was just a section hiker at the time and I wanted to make sure that I always had some trail magic on me, you know, while I was hiking. And, and I continued that into my through hike, always trying to have a couple beers or a Sprite or a Coke, something to give somebody, you know, maybe they're having a bad day or someone walks up and says, why do they call you road soda? And it was just really fun to be able to ask them, you know, do you want one? And they're like, what's that? And pull a beer out of your backpack and kind of, you know, blow some people's mind. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun way to kind of do trail magic while on the trail. Road so, sodas, you know, sodas on the road. So can you remember, was, it an, was there a particular person who actually gave you that name? Like, can you, can you remember the moment? Yeah, it was one of my friends. Uh, we were on a section hike in Pennsylvania and, and we were drinking some whiskey while hiking. And I just kept <laughs> offering everyone we walked by a road soda, you know, and no one really wanted to take a sip of whiskey out of the bottle that I had been <laughs> drinking out of. Um, but yeah, I was like all excited, you know, that we had a bottle of whiskey out there with us and it made the hiking go a little bit easier that day. So yeah, I was, I just wouldn't stop saying, you know, who wants a road soda? Who wants a sip of whiskey? We got road sodas. So that was when it, that was when it picked up. And, uh, I did a a big section hike in 2020 and did some trail magic in 2020 and got to be an Odie's hiker yearbook, which he does every year in 2020. And, you know, a lot of those 2020, at through hikers knew me as road soda so um, I, I wanted to keep it this year i thought about going in blind and getting a new trail name as a through hiker but i guess i'm road soda for life now <laughs> yeah well you know it 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 suits you man like you know i think every everybody's trail name suits them it it, it doesn't need to have i don't know just like your road soda as far as i'm concerned you know yeah uh, <laughs> I, I like it too. that's how i like it yeah um hey uh roadman how about like going i'd like to ask you what got your interest in in the appalachian trail where did that come from i think when was started like yeah i i think it started you know with just my whole childhood being outside and loving you know playing in creeks and fishing and hiking and just being in the woods always felt like home to me um and then as I got older, you know, I, my back, my, my uncle had taken me on a couple backpacking trips as a kid. Um, fast forward to college, you know, it kind of just dawned on me that that would be something fun to get back into. I called up my uncle and was like, Hey, you know, do you have any old, any of that old backpacking gear? So he lent me a bunch of gear. I took a couple friends out one weekend and just had a blast and, uh, really wanted to keep doing it. You know, I, I knew what the Appalachian trail was being from Pennsylvania. 
it's not in my backyard, but it is, it is close to home. Um, and the more I went on, you know, these little weekend hikes, overnight hikes, kind of out and backs started meeting through hikers and hearing their stories. And all of them were just so happy. And it was just so interesting to me, you know, that these people were out there walking from Georgia to Maine. And um, then I heard about, you know, the failure rate and how hard it was and that it, you know, wasn't all glory and fun. Um, it just really sparked my interest. You know, I wanted to see what it was all about. And for the past couple of years, I've been really passionate about doing it someday. So it was a really special moment for me this year to actually, you know, quit the job, go down to Georgia. And just that night before I started in the hotel rooms, there was nothing like it. You know, my dreams were about to come true and, and they did. And what was the um, reason for a hike? Because you can hike north or south or you can do a flip flop. What were your reasons for hiking north? Yeah, I think I liked the idea that that was the common way to do it you know, the most popular way. Um, I was going alone and I had been on some solo backpacking trips before and they just weren't the most fun. You know, I like to be able to share those experiences with other people. Um, and I knew that starting in Georgia in March, that there was a very slim chance that I'd ever be alone, you know, in the beginning. Um, and I actually didn't have a single night alone on my whole through hike. And I know some people are very indifferent about that, but for me, that was the experience I wanted. You know, I wanted to walk the whole thing, but I wanted to have friends every step of the way and going northbound from Georgia in March is a good way to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let me ask you. So March was that, what, what date did you start in March? Uh, I did the approach trail on March 20th. So I, I consider that my start date, but I guess I didn't really actually start walking on the Appalachian trail until March 21st. And what were the uh, weather conditions around around that time of year? It's hard to, you know, think back to that because it was cold. Like I was <laughs> I was looking at pictures and I was wearing pants, you know, the puffy jacket went on every time you got to camp. Um, I remember we had one night where we put a bunch of tarps up, you know, in the shelter and and just to try to keep the wind out. It got down to like single digits. I think that was in North Carolina. Um, but during the day, it was nice. You know, it was good hiking weather. It was early spring. It was a little crisp. You know, you'd work up maybe a little bit of a sweat, but the sun was out. Uh, the days that it rained were pretty chilly. You know, you'd get soaked and get to camp and, and be wet and cold. But um, we didn't have really any snow in Georgia or North Carolina. Um, we did in the Smokies, you know, a little bit of snow and actually got snow in Virginia, which was pretty crazy. But the weather wasn't too bad. You know, I've heard about years where people start out in Georgia and have 30 days of rain out of the gate. Um, and we didn't have that. You know, we had a tornado warning and some bad thunderstorms come through that we were able to kind of hunker down for. So weather was nice down south. I, I think we were we were blessed with good weather. How, how long was it before you actually started, um, before you stepped foot on trail, before you actually started buying gear and looking at start dates and that kind of stuff i'd say in about 2018 when i when i did that first you know little trip with my uncle's gear and kind of realized it was something that i really enjoyed and wanted to do you know more of in my free time i started piecing together gear you know i got got my own backpack first um, and from there you know started building out my my gear list um, once i realized i wanted to through hike then i kind of you know, realized I was going to need some better gear, some lighter stuff. So 
Um, all within 2021, I think around January, I realized that I was, I was committed to doing it this year. Um, started thinking about, you know, when, when was I going to quit, put in my two weeks notice. I knew from other hikers and just a couple YouTube videos that March in Georgia was, was when I wanted to start. Um, the start date, you know, would come later. And um, I was fortunate to, you know, have accumulated gear over those years. Cause if I had just decided I wanted to get into it right then and there, I wouldn't have had enough money to, you know, fully outfit myself and fund the hike. So having some hand-me-downs and some gear that I had bought years prior was helpful. Uh, so it was a long time coming, but yeah, I'd say around January, 2021 was when it started getting serious. In those uh, prior years, was there any particular, I don't know, maybe person or YouTuber or someone you met who actually really inspired you or, and, and could you speak about that person? Yeah, for sure. So my first, I'll call it long section hike was, uh, what they call the, the Virginia triple crown, which is the dragon's tooth, a McAfee knob and tinker clips, three famous, you know, overviews, outlooks, Vista points on the Appalachian trail in Virginia, a couple of buddies and I went down there and it was, we only ended up doing like a 36 mile stretch of that. We didn't even get to the dragon's tooth, but we were really excited. You know, we only had one car and we were like, hopefully we can make it back to the car in time. You know, we all had to go back to work and we didn't know how much food we need. We kind of just went in blind. And um, on one of those nights down there on the Appalachian trail, we met a through hiker. His name was Prometheus. And I grilled that guy with so many questions. I mean, as soon as I met him, I was like, Hey man, you're going to need to tell me that, uh, you know, to shut up because I'm going to, I'm not going to let you stop talking. And I just thought it was so cool. You know, I felt like a little kid in a candy shop, just in a shelter with a through hiker. Um, and, and, you know, he was really cool and seemed to love answering my questions. So I was just asking him everything from, you know, like, what are you having for dinner tonight to what's the trail been like? You know, what have you seen any of these people? And, um, sitting there talking to him is kind of when I knew like, all right, like I, I am going to do it someday. And, and I had some friends with me that even said after spending time with this guy that they were like, you know what, like maybe I will do it someday, which when I had asked them before that, they were like, no, I could never do that. You know, I need my Xbox or internet, whatever. Um, but sitting there in a shelter, you know, with this guy in the woods that was on that journey was really special. Um, and it was really cool to return to that spot on my through hike, that same shelter where I met him and just kind of reflect on, you know, again, making the dream come true. Like it was in that shelter two years, three years ago that I knew I would do it someday. And to return there on my own through hike was amazing. It felt surreal. What, what point on the trail? Uh, what was, how far down the trail was the shelter? Um, so that's in, geez, Virginia has like over 500 miles of trail. It's, it's kind of hard to remember. It's gotta be around like six, 700, the six, 700 mile yeah, marker. So you, it's, it's pretty you're, deep. You're in. a good third into your hike by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're you, getting you're, into it. You're inducted for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, it was around the one third mark. I remember that sign. Yeah. Prometheus. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. <laughs> no, I think it's so cool how, I mean, my niece, she looks up to like singers and actors and I kind of look up to, I don't know, through hikers and 
people who do long trails and kind of step out of society a little bit you know everyone has is inspired by different things um so well i want you to share with people like the 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 experiences with friends i mean when i first heard about you i was having a cup of tea on the trail and this guy called rat king comes along and uh, <laughs> and I speak to him for a little bit, and he said, "Oh yeah, you want to get going because there's these there's this there's these group called the Dirty Bubble, <laughs> and um and they hike pretty fast. And then I remember um you guys and you were part of that. So speak about the Dirty Bubble and what what was the Dirty what is the Dirty Bubble." Yeah, for sure. Well, just a real quick shout out to Rat King. I think he took a spill right in front of you right there after you met him, didn't you? Didn't it was he? pretty bad. Yeah. I asked him <laughs> yeah. if it was okay, but he said it won't be the, f- what did he say? It wasn't the first and it won't be the last. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love that guy. So uh, yeah, the dirty bubble. Um, some called it the, the greasiest, most notorious bubble in, in AT history. Uh, it's just a big group of hikers all around, you know, similar age. Early on, we had some kids right out of high school, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um, I think some of the, the, you know, older people of the group were in in their early to mid 30s. But kind of just a a big group of kids, I'll call us, that all got along, you know, like hiking fast and drinking beer and partying. Um, We kind of got a bad reputation just because of the size of the group, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that that you know bring a beer or two out of town and i don't see much harm in that you know although it is illegal you're not allowed to drink on the trail um you know we never left trash anywhere we we tried to be respectful and uh the bad reputation thing i think was just from people kind of being bored you know there's not a whole lot to talk about out there and you hear a rumor and it's like telling ghost stories you know i met people further up north that were like I've been running from you guys my entire hike. You know, all I kept hearing about was the dirty bubbles coming. And um, I think people kind of just enjoy like having something like that to talk about and fantasize about, but we are a trail family. Uh, you know, some people form groups out there called Tramilies trail families. And it's just a, a group of hikers that kind of start hiking the same speed and have some similar interests. And uh, some, you know, eventually sometimes it's said, sometimes it's not even spoken. You know, you, you realize you're just hanging out with these people and you're all in it together. And it's just really nice to have a group out there. You know, no matter how hard the trail was or how bad the weather was, you knew that, you know, all your friends were doing the same thing. They all climbed that mountain. You know, they all felt the rain and they're all sore and beat up and tired of eating junk food as well. And you're going through it together. I think it's a really special bond and uh, it it helps you know it really helps out on the bad days and helps you stay motivated and it's really nice on the good days too to be able to share those moments with with people that you care about yeah and and so um i think the dropout rate that what what is what what what's the latest you've heard with the dropout the statistics of people who finish and people who do not finish i don't know off the top of my head because i remember thinking that it was going to go like way up, you know, as far as completions go this year, I couldn't believe just how many people are still on trail in Maine. Um, Like I had heard like, what is it? Like maybe 50%. I don't know. I'm pulling numbers out of my ass here, 
I really don't know. I had heard like 30% drop out by Neil's Gap, which is like 30 miles into Georgia. Uh, I couldn't believe that either. I was like, what is going on? So um, I don't know what the dropout rate well, is, but I think it went up this. I think, you know, a lot of people finish this year. I think we might see a, an increase in completions. But there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of, so it's kind of leading to my next question. There's a lot of people who drop out. And what was it like? Um, did you experience making friends with people or were there people in the bubble um, who sometimes you just didn't see anymore and you wonder what happened to them because they dropped out? Did, did that happen to you? Yeah, I think uh, some of my closer friends, you know, they'd, they'd shoot us a text and be like, hey, you know, and, and they were on trail during the time that we weren't with them. You know, they were a little bit ahead of us or behind us and they'd shoot us a text and, and let us know that they were going home. Um, but yeah, you know, some of those people that you kind of just meet in passing or spend a night at the shelter with and they stick with you and you're like, Oh, I wonder if I'll ever see them again. And, um, some of them you don't, you know, and, and you wonder what happened to them. I think the coolest one was a guy I met on the approach trail, which is, uh, you know, in a little eight mile trail leading up to the start in Georgia. And, uh, I met him on the approach trail. He was, you know, we had talked about meeting up at the first shelter that night and he was moving really slow. And I never saw him that night. Woke up in the morning. He wasn't there. You know, I didn't get a super early start, but I could tell a, a couple tents had been packed up and I never saw him again. And I was like, man, you know, he was having a bit of a tough time on the approach. Like maybe he went home already. I don't know. And uh, I end up seeing him again up in New Hampshire. I, I come walking up behind him and I was like, no way. Here's the guy. And we had a really cool moment. You know, that was, geez, had to be like, 1800 you know close to 1800 miles that we hadn't seen each other and yeah we were both still out there you know pushing towards Maine so that was that's really nice cool. that's a nice way um to you know to like see someone because th- in your mind they, they've dropped out or they've not made it and then suddenly you see them and their journey's still alive you know yeah that's that was pretty, really awesome it's pretty cool um you, you know like uh so th- let me think here were there times when you felt, I know you said you were with people or like you said, you never slept by yourself. You know, you never had a night camping alone, but did you ever feel even sometimes if you're with people, did you ever feel like alone at any point because of feeling low or anything like that? Did you ever feel like that way? I think the toughest, some of the toughest uh, parts mentally, you know, I remember Virginia pushing really hard and just being like, being really sore. Um, and I actually, that was, you know, one of the stretches that I wasn't with the dirty bubble. Um, so that uh, there was a couple nights there, you know, where I was with new people, wasn't with my friends. Um, so although I was with people, you know, I didn't feel comfortable enough to like start complaining around them. You know, I was trying to keep on the road, so to smile and the good energy and stuff, but you know, inside I was, I was hurting bad. I was doing, you know, 25 to 35 miles a day over the course of an entire month and took a toll on me and that was the time you know where I wasn't with my my closest friends so it wasn't you know like we could just kind of have the conversations we always did and um, but no I, I don't think I ever really felt alone you know if I ever really was like mentally or physically in trouble out there you know i think no matter who i was with i i could have said something too and a lot of again they're all doing the same thing you know 
even if they're not my best friend, um, everyone out there I found has a pretty good heart and is willing to help and wants to see people succeed. So it is a really cool community. You know, even if you're not with a group or your friends, you could come up to someone and, you know, at least have a nice conversation with them and make sure that, you know, that, that your head and body's in the right place. Yeah. So with the, um, I don't want to dwell on the low times or the tough times, but it's, it's a heck of a lot of tough times out there. You know, it's a long way. Um, each day is a long day. What, what got you to the end? And this isn't the end of the conversation, but I'm just saying what kind of, what tacts, what strategies, what mental approaches, what um, equipment, I don't know what people, what kind of drove you on those really tough days to just keep on, you know, keep on trucking, keep on moving forwards. You know, that was one of my biggest fears going into it is that I wouldn't finish um, just because of how badly I wanted to, you know, and I knew that there was going to be some things like injury and weather that are totally out of my control that could prevent me from finishing. You know, if I snapped my leg or, you know, tore my Achilles, then I'd be done. Um, I found out like two weeks before getting on the trail that I did have a partial tear in my Achilles. And the doctor was like, you know, if this, if this thing pops on you, you're going to need to get rescued. Like you won't be able to walk. Um, so that was a little concerning. You know, I, I had, I was so excited to go and so told so many people about it. And I was just like, man, like, that's just going to be, that's going to suck if I have to like come home in a week and tell everyone, you know, I didn't make it because I got hurt or something. And uh, kind of used that fear to drive me. You know, I, I wasn't going to let something mental take me off the trail. Um, you know, I, I was going to have to break a leg to go home. And by the time I got to Maine, you know, I was going to have to break two legs to, to go home because once we got there, I mean, the trail was treacherous and it was sketchy. You know, people were getting hurt and it was really steep and rocky and slick. And I was like, wow, you know, if, if you're going to get hurt, it's probably going to be up here. And, um, you know, everyone kind of kicked it into gear up there. And uh, being with people again was a big strategy of mine to keep going, because even, you know, if I felt down and saw someone else feeling the same way, you know, I kind of felt responsible to, to help them rally and, you know, let them know we were in the same boat that we were going to keep going forward and kind of felt like I had some responsibility um, with, with getting other people motivated to keep going. And um, overall, it was just, it was, it was so important to me to finish. And there were moments that really sucked. You know, I know you said you don't want to dwell on the, on the negatives, but a lot of people, you know, on YouTube and in stories really do and even myself talk about how much fun this is, right? Like Mm. I got a big smile on my face right now talking about it. It was the best experience of my life, but there's a a piece or a chunk or, you know, a large stretch of most days out there that sucks. And it's like, why am I doing this? And, you know, I I hurt so bad and I smell bad and I don't want to eat any of this food and I'm losing weight and I feel terrible. And, you know, it'd be so easy just to go home and get in your bed and call it a quits. Um, there are a lot of moments like that, you know, and I think it's important to talk about, but if you go into it, you know, determined that, that you're not going to leave, you know, for anything other than a serious injury. Um, I think you can really dig down and, and get it done. You know, I, I can't wait to, to feel that again, that challenge and that knowing of like, you're going to want to quit and you're going to have to figure out a way around it. 
um, that was that was one of the best parts about the trail you know was the challenge it was not easy at all yeah I'm pretty sure that the reason it is um, you know re you're reflecting on it you know with happiness and fond memories is because it's the overcoming isn't it of yourself during difficult times I mean you know that's worthwhile in life I think you know to to be able to achieve you know stuff that's tough and that's that's why it means a lot to us um Agreed. yeah random question you got any funny stories about rat king oh gosh i mean i uh so i mentioned earlier i started the trail alone and and uh you know knew that i wanted to find a group and have some friends and night one i roll up to the shelter i had passed two shelters already on the approach trail nobody was inside them tents everywhere and i was little weirded out you know i was like what's it why isn't anybody in the shelters like are they closed and i get to my shelter on springer mountain there's nobody in there tents everywhere i thought for sure the shelter was going to be full i get in the shelter and uh like 20 30 minutes later it's late in the day you know that's why i thought for sure it was going to be filled up it's just me in there and this guy comes up to the edge of the shelter you know leans in with his minnesota accent Right away, I, I knew that I was like, this is my guy. You know, we got talking and had a smoke together. And it was just like, I love this guy. Like, he, you know, he, he asked me, he's, you going the whole way? I said, yeah, you? And he said, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and I was just cracking up at everything he said. You know, he just had great, great energy. And I asked him, I was like, you want to do it together? And he's like, I don't see why not. Like you and me. And we just looked at each other and we were like, yeah, let's do it. And I mean, that was a really cool moment, you know, because we did hike most of the trail together and got to summit together. And we were split up a couple of times, you know, pretty, pretty far apart where we thought maybe we wouldn't get back together. But I mean, that was great. Um, and just everything that guy says is hilarious. You know, you'd, you'd say something about him like, oh, racking, you know, I, I heard there's a blue blaze up here that you could skip and oh, whatever. You know, he'd, he'd get up to a mountain and look at what we had to go down. And she's like, oh, good Lord. And it's just his little, you know, one-liners, his sound bits. Like, I yeah. wish I had a recording of all of them because he just always had something to say. And it, it would just make everybody laugh. But, yeah, I wish I would have came prepared with some better Rat King stories. I mean, oh, I guess that's I was, good. I didn't, I didn't I, know I, that. I didn't know yeah. that you actually met Rat King. Like, you, the first guy who you met was Rat King. So. First, yeah, first night, first guy I met. Um, I mean, I guess how he got his trail name was pretty good. He got bit by a rat in a shelter the second night. Um, <laughs> and he, he didn't want the name of Rat King. But my version of the story was that he was, he was eating pepperoni before bed. And that he uh, he fell asleep, you know, kind of leaning on his arm with his hand hanging out his sleeping bag. And I was saying that he had pepperoni fingers, you know, that that's why the rat came up and bit his finger because they, they smelled the grease on him. And he was like, well, I definitely don't want pepperoni fingers to be my name. So he, he settled with the rat king. But man, he woke up screaming. And I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, everybody in the campsite the next morning, like came up to the shelter like, well, what were you guys yelling about last night? And everyone got a good laugh out of it. But yeah, I mean, he was like a legend right off the start because of that. You know, we put it on Gut Hook, our, our app that we use for, for the map. And everyone was like, who is this Rat King guy? You know, I heard someone got bit by a rat in the shelter. That was hilarious. I mean, he was Rat King. He, he's the Rat King, you know, like you were saying with my name. Like he is, he's the yeah. king. Well, he's the he's also the first kind of guy I guess I spoke to first through hiker, um, 
as well but i was obviously a, a lot later down the trail um yeah and and uh you know how much uh wildlife did you bump into you know did you see a whole bunch of bears and stuff good amount yeah you know i had again growing up outside i really wanted to see wildlife out there and there are a lot of people on the trail so it's it's not the most you know convenient place to see certain animals you know especially big game animals that are a little bit more weary of humans but yeah i think i had a total of five bears um you know, my first one was as soon as we got into the Smoky Mountains at the permit box, it was like, you hear about the bears being bad or, you know, being thick within the Smoky Mountains in uh, North Carolina and Tennessee. And we got to the permit drop box and there's a bear right there. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, they're just waiting at the gates. <laughs> so we had one right there. And then that same day we saw a mom and three cubs. Um, and I saw another one in New Jersey. And then I had one damn near come into my tent in Connecticut uh, that was a little bit less cool of an encounter with the bear but up close and personal for sure and my number one goal you know sightseeing wildlife wise of the through hike was to see a bull moose and I, I know this breaks your heart I know you wanted to see a moose but I did get to see a bull moose up in Maine and and uh, saw a cow that same day as well so two moose bunch of bear didn't see the bobcat really wanted to see a bobcat or a lynx yeah. met a couple people that saw them and was really jealous of that um you know a couple deer not a whole lot of deer it's it's weird where i'm from you know in the suburbs there's deer everywhere you see them all over the place and didn't see a whole lot out there but the bear were really cool and can you can you happy. tell that story um like you can tell it in full about you said a bear encounter in your tent what happened yeah, I'll tell it in full. So there's a cafe in Connecticut that you're allowed to camp behind. The cafe isn't open anymore, you know, but they, they someone still owns it and lives there and, and lets the through hikers come stay because there's no hostels or cheap hotels anywhere to really stay. So it's nice to be able to go into town and have somewhere to stay in that town. And uh, I had gone on some crazy mission to get like pasta from this pizza place. They wouldn't deliver it to us. So we ordered pickup and like, strung together a couple hitches you know hitchhiking on the road and we go to leave the pasta you know the pizza place with our pasta and like it's like teslas and mercedes benz and all these crazy nice cars driving around and we're like oh man like we're never gonna get a ride out of here and thunderstorm rolls up we're like we're screwed like we're ready to camp out under this gas station you know we're like 30 minutes away from the cafe that all our friends are at we're in some other town and this guy comes back that I had asked earlier for a ride. He's like, man, I heard the thunder. Like, I couldn't leave you guys here. So that was like a magical moment in itself. You know, this guy coming back for us. So he gets us back to the cafe, pouring down rain. Like, all of our friends, like one of our friends' tents had collapsed. And I'm like, what is he doing out there? You know, he's just standing out in the pouring rain. And some people are like hiding in the shed. So we get out with our food, go running into the shed. And drink a couple beers night goes on fast forward it's like ready to go to bed and i'm like hey you guys hanging your food and uh they're like nah like the guy you know that lives here said that uh there's a bear that comes around sometimes but like i don't know like he's old like we you know there's probably not a bear and i was like what that like this is like right before bed i was like you guys kidding me like <laughs> like pound bears are bad you know they're like you know they're used to humans or those, those are the bears that get in trouble and 
I had this big buffalo chicken or barbecue chicken, like breaded sandwich, like this like 12 inch sandwich with cheese on it. And I'm sleeping with that thing in my tent, which, you know, kids at home don't, you're not supposed to do this. Don't do this. This isn't a proud moment, but I'm laying there, you know, I go to bed and I just had a feeling before bed, like this bear was coming in, you know, a bunch of people had pizza delivered and stuff. And I hear this like panting, you know, it's part of my dream. Like, you know, panting, like, you know, like a dog pants. And I slowly start to wake up and I'm like, you know, real groggy. It's five in the morning in the summer. So it's a little bit light out. And then I wake up, I'm still laying there and, and, uh, I kind of realized like, Oh shit, like this is really going on. You know, there's something panting. And then I like open my eyes, you know, I'm like, okay, like there's something panting, you know, it really started registering now. And I sit up and the bear is right there. I mean, like I see his silhouette, but like his face right there on the edge of my tent, like looking at that chicken sandwich. I just screamed. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Thankfully, the thing took off running. It it tripped on Rat King's tent, pulled out one of his tent stakes. And he's all pissed at me because he thought I was out there taking a piss. And he thought that I like tripped on his tent. You know, he's like, fucker, you could have at least put my tent stake back in. And I was like, I'm in my underwear, like out, I'm out of my tent now walking around, like trying to wake people up. I'm all freaked out. I'm like, he's coming back. I'm telling you, he's going to come back. Like he almost had my sandwich. People are like, what? And and Rat King's like, dude, put my tent stake back in. I'm like, Rat King, like, give me a second here. Like, which one did he pull out? He's like, what do you mean? Which one? Like, you tell me. I was like, dude, I didn't pull your tent stake out. Like I was in my tent. It's like, it was a bear. And he's like, fucking bear. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is a bear, dude. Like, he was trying to come into my tent. He tripped over yours when he ran away. And he had no idea, you know. He was, like, all pissed off at me, thinking that I was out there taking a pee and and tripped on his tent. So that was funny. But uh, that was too close. You know, don't sleep with your food. Moral of that story. Yeah. But, well, I want to know what, actually. Because I think when I saw you, the first night I saw you, I think I asked you. (laughs) because we met on trail right i was like are you hanging your food and i think you said no i'm sleeping with it so you got kind of complacent i guess but you weren't around the back of a, a dirty shop in a town um yeah that was you know, on the trail when i met it's you. interesting because every through hiker i've ever met you know i again i live in pennsylvania I, I do most of my section hiking weekend hiking in pennsylvania so every through hiker i've ever met whether they're northbound or southbound is near the halfway point and every single one of them tells me that they don't hang their food. Um, and it's something you don't really hear about, you know, on the YouTube stuff. Some of the more popular people, um, it, it is kind of taboo, you know, because sleeping with your food is a bad idea. But almost everyone does it mm-hmm. almost every night. You know, there's if there's a system at the shelter, you know, like a bear box or bear cables, of course, I'll put it up there. It's easy, you know, but. Some places you literally can't find a branch that's what supposed to be 12 feet up and six feet away from the trunk that can hold your 10 pound food bag along with the 12 other hikers that are there. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of weird that no one talks about it. You know, I think it's it's important to reinforce the fact that hanging your food is important. You know, we had a bear this year get into someone's tent and in the Smokies and they he had like snack wrappers. It wasn't even food. He forgot a couple of wrappers in his backpack. And 
And sure enough, the next day the Rangers are out there with the rifles, like looking for this bear. So it is sad, you know, that humans interfere with that and, and result in bears needing to be killed. I mean, the, you know, the bears, the black bears, at least that attack people usually are the ones that have gotten people's food before and are habituated, you know, so we've done, we've done plenty to mess these areas up, these wild areas. So sleeping with your food is important, but I mean, yeah, or hanging your food's important, but it seems like every through hiker sleeps with it at least a couple times, you know, gets lazy and figures they'll be fine with it in their tent, but it's not I mean, always me, the case. Let, let me be completely honest. The reason I was asking you was to gauge whether I was going to hang my food. Actually, I think that night I did. Um, but it was really hard to find a, um, a branch and there's nights when I didn't and, but I didn't sleep with it. I know some people use it as a pillow. I just, I didn't think I ever did that, but I did just hang it up on the, the shelter had some nails in the wood. Yeah. I just hung it there. That's a, and if other people are doing it, it's almost like, well, what's the point of not hanging mine there? There's yeah. already food there, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't want to be the first guy to go on record and say no. that, uh, that through hikers are sleeping with their food, but they are. You'll, no, they, 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 they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, string bean, you know, the guy who's got the, um, self-supported fastest known time for the Appalachian trail. I asked him, you know, he's on my podcast and he did use his food bag as a pillow. And I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it, uh, just because of the fear factor, but you know, he, he just said, you know, bears are scared of you, you know, like they're, they're not looking to try to mess with humans. Um, anyway, yeah. Like, uh, so (laughs) That's that. Um, hey, some kind of silly question here. So how, how many shoes did you you go through? On the uh, I think my, my total was five. I went through uh, four pairs of the Hoka Speed Goats and, and one pair of Ultra Lone Peaks. But I really tore up those Speed Goats. I uh, sent Hoka a little letter hoping that they'd hook a brother up, but no dice. I mean, no. I spent like $1,000 on their shoes, you know, in total and yeah i don't know they didn't hold up all that well i know i know you uh you know carl from the ultra marathon world yeah. so yeah um yeah i mean i love the shoe i'm going to continue to wear them on my next through hike but i don't know if it's how i walk or just the the terrain on the at but i mean i was blowing those things up like putting holes straight through the heels yeah that's weird that is i think with my speed goats i did the first pair I had, I must have clocked up um, like 800 miles. And, and and that was some trail running as well. So they know. Yeah. I mean, everyone's different. And also maybe the constantly being outside with them being wet and then drying and wet and then drying. And then they crack and then they split and then they rip, I guess. Yeah, for you sure. Know. Yeah, Vermont took a toll on everyone's gear, you know, shoes and socks just because it was so muddy, it was so wet and the mud would like cake on and then dry and then split and create like creases, you know, in the fabrics. Yeah. How hard was it to be on trail um, away from people who mean something to you and mean something to you in your life? And what was it like reuniting with those people? It's a good question. You know, I, I was kind of able to, blocked all that out um you know all of my friends and family wanted to see me succeed um and and while i missed them you know i'd see videos of my friends 
out partying or my family, you know, at a dinner, a cousin's birthday type deal. Um, I know they all, they all missed me too. And they, you know, they wanted me to, they wanted me to succeed. I never really felt homesick. And I think maybe being on the East coast, knowing like I could get home in a few hours if I really needed to maybe helped a little bit with that subconsciously. Um, but I think, uh, just, you know, there's a lot going on out there and as simple of, of a life as it is, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of focus elsewhere, which is one of the big appeals for me. You know, you kind of got to be in the moment and making sure you know what you're doing the next day and where your water is and where your food's coming from and how many miles you're going. And, um, again, having friends around, you know, I had, I had a new family while I was on the trail and I think if I had been alone, I would have really missed my friends and family a lot more. Um, but not that I replaced any of my friends or family, but I gained a new one. And that was nice to, you know, still have those people that, that you could love and support out there. Uh, some of those, um, people, would you go as far as saying life? Well, I mean, you don't know what the future holds, but, um, predicting that they could be lifelong friends. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of us still talk every day. Um, you know, we still got our, our group chat ripping and, uh, yeah, lifelong friends for sure. Yeah. It's going to be like about four of us that might be on the PCT next year. You know, I keep hinting at that, uh, that next step, but, um, lifelong friends. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we went through, we went through hell and back together and, uh, we all you know shared some of the best moments of our lives together. So that alone, you know, someone like Rat King, him and I don't talk every day, but, I mean, if we met up or if he called me on the phone, it'd, it'd be like nothing changed. You know, that's someone who I could not talk to for a couple of years and call him and know I got a place to stay out in Minnesota. And, you know, we'll, we'll always be brothers and same with Goat and all those guys. Um, yeah, it's really strong bond that you form out there. I want to talk about the bond um, in relation to bonds that we have in our everyday lives. So, being out on the Appalachian Trail, how long were you were you out there for? Uh, I'd say about five and a half months. Yeah, so a good part of uh, like you know half the year, mm -hmm. and 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 you're with people. How, 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 is it is it different in everyday life the kind of bonds and the friendships that you make on trail compared to just work colleagues or um, friends from college? Is 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 it something? that you could only experience on trail or maybe just you experience it, but in a different way. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's gotta be different. You know, you're out there in a totally new environment. Um, you know, like when I meet someone at a party, it's the same conversation every time. Um, you know, what do you do? Oh, where are you from? Cool. And it's just feel like, uh, the conversations alone, a little bit less meaningful. Um, and when you're out there and, you see someone, you know, sitting on top of a rock or struggling up a mountain or wet and cold in a shelter. It's like right away before you even start talking to them, you know, you know that you have some, some connection, um, you know, some things in common, like you're sitting there doing the same thing. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think it has to do with like the physical aspect of it and kind of suffering together um, that really changes that you know, cause we're all people and all came from society. 
So it's not a whole lot different, but when you put our, when you put people in that environment, you know, living in the woods, a lot of people have never done anything like that. And it's, it's really uncomfortable for a lot of people, myself included in the beginning. Um, so yeah, I think people are kind of looking, you know, a lot of people are looking for some comfort and friends and yeah, I think it's just really the environment, but it definitely is different. And I definitely do feel like now being back home, the conversations I have when I meet new people are just far less meaningful and at least less interesting. Yeah. Well, I suppose that makes a lot of sense. Common, you know, um, circumstances creates, I guess, you know, the basis of a bond almost, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, that shared hardship. What, what, um, you know, like as you're going along the trail and, you know, you've got your, your tramley, tramley is up, like you know, terminology for family. Did you ever fall out with anybody? Uh, I mean, you know, there are a couple people along the way that some other people didn't really get along with. Um, aside from you know just like hiking different speeds and people being like hey guys like i can't keep up i'm gonna fall back or people being like hey guys you know i want to pull ahead and that was all normal stuff um but as far as like a falling out goes i i don't think so i tried to really find the good in people out there you know everyone has bad days and comes from a different background everyone's trying to walk from georgia to maine you know so um, the people that maybe some of the members didn't get along with, I always just tried to be like, come on, like, if you don't like them, like, then you know, screw them. Don't let them, don't let them get you down. You know, they're not that, they're not a bad person. You know, they're not like trying to hurt anybody or anything, you know, maybe they just act a little different. So now no real falling outs. Yeah. Um, what, what's the, um, I know you said that the dirty bubble, there are quite a lot of young ones and, what it? I mean, I'm sure everybody has a different approach, but what's the scene like? Um, what's the what's the party scene like out there? It's uh, very much at you know at your own at will. You know, if you don't want to party, I, I met a lot of people who were doing the trail sober and had just as much, if not more, fun than I did. Um, I you know, I like to party. Um, so especially down South, you get into some of those towns and you get a cheap case of beer at the gas station and, and, you know, there's breweries in town and, um, you can have a good time, you know, in town and then got some beers from the 30 rack left over in the morning. So, Hey, why not, you know, throw six of them in the backpack. We'll drink them at the shelter tonight. And, uh, it's easy to like blow your budget early on. You know, yeah. you could get stuck in some of those towns and just take zero days and, and just drink all your money away. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of people smoking pot, of course, a lot of uh, hallucinogenics on the trail as well. And, and when I say a lot, it's not like you walk out there and it, you're going into some club scene, music festival type deal. Um, you know, most people kind of keep it to themselves, but through hikers are definitely a, you know, different, different class, different breed. Um, at least the ones who party, you know, you walk up to a shelter and someone might just be sitting right there smoking a joint or drinking a beer. And it's, it's usually harmless, you know, as long as you clean up your trash and, yeah, you know, make sure that you're not offending anybody. If you are going to smoke, you know, near a shelter, 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there, there's some partiers out there for sure. Some people that partied way harder than the dirty bubble did, you know, <laughs> again, like we kind of got a bad reputation for partying. I mean, like we'd bring out like a beer or two each, you know, and I'd give mine away to someone, you know, I wouldn't even usually drink mine. Um, and we'd pick up all our trash. So as much as like, it is a, it can be a party scene, you know, you still got to carry all that shit on your back. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, when you're on trail, so there's not a whole lot, a whole lot you can do out there, but getting into towns again, down South is like, yeah, there were some wild spots. Yeah. What, what's, um, that made me, uh, I, I want to ask you this actually. So like, if you do drink out at a shelter, you, you, oh, Hey, are you still there? It's frozen. Oh no. You were just really still it? like a statue man in thought yeah. or something <laughs> <laughs> i was like damn my computer's frozen no um yeah that's brought the question to mind that when, when you're out there you know you have a couple of beers you're at a shelter you're surrounded by nature um you've you've probably burnt off thousands of calories getting to the shelter and then the next day you're kind of cleansed by you know there's not a major um what are those things called after you drink um hangover, hangover. yeah because you're in the woods you've got fresh air um how is drinking on trail different to drinking just off trail like you know i'd say like the quantity of you know drinks like i said like you're not gonna you, you can't drink you can't carry out 30 beers with you you know if you're sitting at a tailgate back home or at your house like however much the beer weighs is of no concern um, so, you know, you're not going to drink as many beers when you're out there typically just cause you don't want to carry them all. Um, but it is like, I don't know, it's, it is like, you're saying nice to be out there and like you wake up and walk. So you, no matter how shitty you felt, like you were going to pay the price in the morning, you know, you're going to be walking, but I never really had any too bad hangovers coming out of town sometimes was a little rough. You know, we'd, we'd be out till midnight, one in the morning drinking at the bar and then the next morning have to go climb a mountain out of town there was some bad hangovers there but not a whole lot different i just think uh yeah like we didn't drink a whole lot of beers you know while we were in the woods be one or two yeah yeah How, do you have any um crazy party stories uh you don't even have to give the people's name or anything <laughs> anything that comes to mind which was just insane or yeah, I'd say, uh, I mean, I, I know Trail Days is a big festival in, in Damascus. I mean, the stories from that were insane. Um, you, you know, you should definitely ask some Trail Days people about that. I wasn't there. I decided not to go back for it. I was, I was way past that town. Um, but I remember Standing Bear Farm was a hostel right after the Smokies. And as a northbound hiker, you know, the Smokies are kind of the first big challenge. You know, big mountains kind of, you know, some more remote stretches, bad weather, you know, notoriously cold. And, um, you know, it's, it's high altitude. The highest point on the Appalachian Trail is actually in that stretch. So getting out of that as a northbounder early on in the hike is, you know, you're kind of riding a high, like, all right, like we, we did it like first big challenge, like, you know, let's go, let's party a little bit. And there's this greasy hostel right outside the Smokies. And, and when I say greasy, you know, I mean it in a good way. I love the place. Um, and they had like just a bunch of beers and like frozen pizzas and stuff. And 
um we didn't even like pay to stay there we went and like slept down on this creek like near the place yeah and we told him too we're like hey like i don't want to pay for a bunk like i'm not gonna shower like is it cool if we just go sleep on the creek and they're like yeah you know obviously like we'd we'd love your business but um yeah like you're allowed to camp down there for free so a bunch of us just like slept down there like had a little camp like a little fire going for like two days you know we took a zero there and that was really fun like that was a crazy scene like weird there was just people getting fucked up there like just (laughs) drinking a lot of beer and like doing some drugs too (laughs) it was like whoa like that was like our first real hostile experience of like seeing you know the party scene on the trail and they got a bad rep for that you know again if you don't want to party i think you could stay there and still have a good time yeah yeah and that was after the smokies yeah right after like you kind of have to stop there you know you're kind of out of food and yeah standing bear hostel you said yeah standing bear farm i think farm okay well that place um, was sick yeah well away away from the party scene a little bit and and um do you feel that being out there for six months has changed you now like do you feel like the same person before you started um, I feel like I, I am, you know, I feel like kind of the ways that it changed me are like more on the inside, you know? Um, I mean, one of the biggest things and one of the things I'm most fortunate about is that it kind of changed, uh, my perception of like fear and like fearing what other people think, you know, cause I had a pretty good job before going into this. I was, I was making decent money and it was just like, no one ever says, you know, grow up, go to school, get a good job, quit and go live in the woods and like spend all your savings and be a bum. You know, no one ever says that. Like, so to kind of go against the grain of like, oh, you know, here's road soda doing pretty well, living in center city, Philadelphia and working really hard, working a lot of hours, doing what he's supposed to do. And then I actually got a promotion, like offered a promotion the morning I went in to quit. And that was like, damn, like, you know, it, for a split second, it made me question, like, should I take this promotion, you know, and, and climb that corporate ladder? Um, but I, I didn't, you know, and I followed my heart and followed my dreams and did it simply because I wanted to do it and not because anyone else said, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. So doing that and like realizing like everything's okay, you know, like, Nope. Like my family doesn't hate me. Like my friends don't look at me any differently. If anything, you know, people think I'm like cool for doing it. Um, I've had so many people like parents and friends and, you know, younger people, older people come to me and just say like how envious they were and how cool they thought it was that I followed my dream and that they wish they had done this when they were younger and that they were living vicariously, you know, through my Instagram posts and stuff. So I actually got like a lot of positive feedback from, doing this and it was like a big risk you know like I was quitting my job and going to live in the woods and I think that's one of the biggest ways I've changed is to like not care about what other people might think you know that doing something because it makes you happy is is all the reason that you need yeah and and so um then so so now you've done the Appalachian Trail um and you mentioned earlier on the pct and i also saw on your instagram some registration 
um, which isn't on the East Coast. You know, it's on the West Coast. So it's further away. It's more alien. Are you, is, is that kind of like what's next? Yeah, that's what's next for sure. So we had the uh, open enrollment yesterday for the permits. Um, what they do is for northbound hikers, I think it's like March, somewhere in March to somewhere in May, they issue 50 permits a day. So 50, you know, through hikers or long distance, you know, more than 500 mile section hikers can start every day in those slots. So there is a cap on it. Um, so what we did is like we got into the waiting room and then at 1030 Pacific time, you know, 130 PM, my time, Eastern time, they let us in and it was just a little loading bar, you know, and it said expected wait time over an hour and all the hikers are, you know, texting each other, like, what's your wait time. And then finally people started being like, Oh, like mine just changed to 45 minutes. Like my, you know, my loading bar is expanding and it was, it was cool. Like everyone was freaking out and it was a little nerve wracking, but I did get an application in, so it's not finalized yet. You know, it still has to be approved. Um, but it looks like late April of 2022, I'll be headed out to California and, and yeah, hiking the PCT. I'm super excited for it. What, what mistakes, uh, if any mistakes you made on the AT, will you not make on the PCT? I think, uh, hmm. I'm going to bring a tent. <laughs> I don't think it was a mistake not having one on the AT. You know, I, I did have one a couple of times, like when the bear tried to get my food and um, I'm going to have to bring a tent. There's no shelters out there. So, you know, some people were a little upset with my decision to not carry a tent on the Appalachian trail. Thought it was irresponsible at times. Maybe it was, but I mean, I didn't die and, I really enjoyed not hiking with a tent, made it a little bit more interesting. You know, I did have to rely on people a couple times in bad situations, but they were my friends. They seemed happy to help. But otherwise, I, I don't know. I don't think I made really any mistakes. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do it, you know, the, the only way that I know to. It's fucking greasy and yeah. hiking fast and having fun and, you know, just connecting with people. And, you know, I'm really going to make sure that I enjoy all the moments out there um, because I know how much it sucks, you know, to be done and to be off trail and to have it be finished. So I think I'm going to enjoy my bad days a little bit more on this next one because I'd much rather a bad day on a through hike right now than a good hike or a good day, good day you know, living, on, living in town. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you about what it is, what has been, cause I've heard of this thing uh, called like post expedition blues or post ultra blues or you know uh post hike blues did you experience any of that and and um, and how are you getting on now yeah a little bit a lot of people that i see talk about it as post-trail depression you know it's i mean it's a big life change um you know we we sacrificed a lot and and had to change and adapt to a lot as you know on that first week of trail first two weeks of trail living in the woods and then you get so comfortable with it and and then you make another drastic change coming back to society so i think it's normal you know for people to kind of feel like what the fuck's going on in my life um but i don't think a whole lot i mean again like there's not a, a huge challenge that i'm facing and working towards right now um i'm trying to create some you know like going for runs and, and have some goals for things that I'd like to do in the FKT world to see if that's something that I'd enjoy. Um, and, you know, making sure that I'm going fishing and staying outside, as I mentioned earlier. 
So yeah, you know, it's, it's not as fun. It's not as great being off trail. Like there are days where I'm like, I miss the hell out of it. I mean, I go back and look at my pictures. I think every single day, like I'll go back and look at all my pictures and, you know, some of the journal logs that I had made and I do miss it a lot. Um, but to now also know that I'm going to be back out there in April, it's like, okay, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to do it again. Like let's buckle down, make some money these next couple months and, and get back up there and tear it up. But, uh, yeah, it's a big thing for sure. I think it's good that you brought it up. I know a lot of people really struggle to deal with it. Um, and the way that I've been coping with it is just getting outside as much as I can, you know, it's not the same as through hiking, but it's good to have fresh air and yeah, find ways to have fun. Yeah. I've, I've been doing some cold water swimming. Um, oh yeah. Some, some Wim Hof. Yeah. Like, uh, I just came back from it now. Um, I do like a thousand meters and it is an outside pool. They call it a Lido and it's, so I do like a thousand meters, which is about 20 laps and oh, those damn. first, yeah, those first two laps, uh, like it's a transition from being normal, going into hard pain and then coming through the other side. And for me, just doing that every day is a win, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm winning when I'm doing that. <laughs> I like That's it. cool. I love the cold water stuff. I, I haven't been doing it much lately, but uh, it's getting cold here. I, I think I'd like to get back into it. At least cold showers, you know, there's, yeah. Okay, there's a lot of good in that. And anything which is outside of your comfort zone, like um, just uh, just helps help. I don't know, you know, just helps. Um, well, like what 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 is the big what's the big takeaway from the Appalachian Trail? You know, you'd never experienced being out. You've done day hikes, you've done long section hike, but what's the? I mean, you know, who knows what happens after? Uh, you know. Um, our time on earth um and so on and and like um you know now that we're here and we have this opportunity to share our time with nature you know and you've done that what 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 is that because you're going and you're going to do it again so it must mean a lot to you does yeah i'm super passionate about it you know i want to do this the rest of my life um and i will just say you know what my experience was maybe totally different from others um you know, we talked a lot about the party scene and, and I don't want to give the trail some kind of reputation that it maybe doesn't deserve. I think the most special thing about it is that you can go out there and make it whatever you want. You know, you can sleep alone every single night if you want to, or you can be in a big group every single night like I was. Um, so I just wanted to kind of clear the air with that, you know, that yeah. this is just my personal experience. And I'm a big believer of hiking your own hike, you know, yeah. do what you want to do when you're out there. And that's one of the best things about it is that, you know, you could get out there and realize that going to Maine isn't that important to you and that maybe you want to go really slow and, you know, take a day off two days, three days off in every town you get into. And maybe you realize you're more into the historic part of the trail and towns than you are completing, you know, A to B. And um, I think it's really cool, you know, that you can get out there and make your own adventure. And that's what I did. And my biggest takeaway for me personally is that, you know, living off of and, and owning more than nothing than what you can carry on your back in a backpack is a great way to live. And, uh, you know, only having to worry about food, shelter, water, and sprinkle in a couple friends and maybe a couple beers here and there is the happiest I've ever been in my life. And although, again, it was miserable at times, 
and it sucked and it was cold and it was hot and it was wet. It was just amazing to, to live in the woods and to walk across, you know, the Eastern United States with a tiny little backpack with some shit in it, some junk food and a bunch of friends. I mean, that was just, it was way cooler than any vacation I've ever taken or ever even heard of someone taking, you know, it was the experience of a lifetime. And then, although I do plan on through hiking, you know, more trails and probably will return to the Appalachian trail someday. I don't think I'll ever get the feelings that I did on that first one. You know, I'll never get that first one back. Um, it was just, it was magical, man. I think that's one of the best words to describe it. It's magical. It's so shitty, but it's so fun. Did you expect I mean, that you've just said a lot, you know, I mean, magical describes it perfectly. And did you, you know, I mean, like obviously the anticipation to do something like this, the expectation, but did it exceed your expectations? I'm, I'm going to guess. For sure. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I said a long, for a long time, like I had seen people cry when they finished, you know, or cry at some point on their hike. And I was like, I'm not going to cry, you know, talking about this summit in Katahdin is kind of a cliche conversation, but man, that was crazy. Like I still, I, there's still times where I can't believe we did it. You know, I mean, we, we walked all the way there and seeing that sign was just like, it rocked my world. Like I did not think it was going to be that emotional. And, you know, going back to years prior when I was like something I wanted to do and wasn't sure if I could do it and knew it was going to be hard and, was worried about getting hurt and then like all of a sudden I woke up and I'm at the sign on Katahdin and it just yeah that blew me away like I still think about that I I still like tear up when I watch the videos <laughs> of us summiting like it's it was heavy man it yeah it really exceeded my expectations like I did not think it was going to be that amazing yeah uh, I mean you know um no I appreciate that and everyone listening out there, they'll be able to hear it, you know, in your voice and the words you choose to describe everything. Um, well, that, you know, that's um, what I'm going to do is have uh, reach out to maybe reach out to Rat King, man, try and get him on next. <laughs> oh, man, he'd be electric. You got to get him on here. And just kind of get a piece of everyone and try and get everyone to tell their stories and, and put this. And yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I know. I'd all love to hear from you. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them that that we spoke today, and yeah, uh, I told Friday already, and she was like all excited. You know, wanted to tell you that she said hello. Cool. Um, yeah, you should definitely reach out to those guys if you need help getting in touch with any of them. Let me know. I'd, I'd be happy to put them in contact. But definitely get Rat King on the podcast, man. He's one of a kind. I love that man. He's electric. No, I will. All right. Well, hey. Um... Don't go anywhere yet. I'm going to end the show. And hey, uh, Rude, thanks for coming on to, to the podcast. Is there any shout outs or anything you want to say before we kind of like uh, hit the stop record button? Yeah, I think anyone listening, you know, that maybe has hopes or dreams or aspirations of doing a through hike um, for, you know, whatever reasons that you're able to find for not doing it. Uh, you know, I did that for three years and found a reason not to go and as soon as I quit that job and declined that promotion and stepped foot on trail in Georgia, just never looked back. And again, it was like the happiest six months of my life. So if you're considering doing something 
even if it's not a long distance hike, you know, whatever your through hike may be your number one dream in life. I think it's uh, important to at least give it a shot and you won't regret taking that first step, but the first step is the hardest. So whatever it takes, get out there and do it and you'll thank yourself later. That's a great way to end the show.